Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 3, called Job's Darkness. Sometimes in life, you guys, when we're in the midst of a pit of darkness, we get tunnel vision. And we forget all the things that God has done and is doing in our lives and will do. And we get, the devil wants us to get tunnel vision so that we think our life has no value. He wants you to feel valueless. But you have great value in God's eyes, right? But in the midst of a trial, everything gets magnified. And we start thinking, my life is meaningless. I should just, I'm, I'm more of a pain than I am a gain for people. Just, just let me go out of existence. And this is at the heart of suicide. Where the enemy comes to people and says to people, yeah, you are worthless. You should just check out. And sadly, sometimes we get so overwhelmed with our problems that people go there. I don't think Job is going there, but I think Job is certainly at his wit's end with all that's happened to him. He says in another image, nine, let the stars of its twilight be darkened. He uses now uh, day of the Lord imagery. The stars of its twilight be darkened. Like let the light go out of the stars. Let it wait for light, but have none. Neither let it see the breaking dawn because it did not shut the opening of my mother's womb. Or hide trouble from my eyes. Job says, I wish like in the day, one of the plagues on Egypt when there was darkness, or the day of the Lord in Joel 2.10 and 3.15, or Matthew 24.29, let the stars no longer shine their light. Because I wish that my mom's womb was just closed off. Because then I wouldn't have seen all the trouble that I've seen. Have you ever uh, had a moment in your life where you saw something and you said to yourself, I wish I had never seen that. Can you imagine all that Job could be replaying? He's lost 10 children. He's lost his estate, servants, uh, you know, just virtually everything in his life. He could even be rewinding the tape of his wife's comment to him. He's got to be just overwhelmed. Some of the spirituals that came out of African-American slavery, the uh, terrible plight in our country where people were so abused and mistreated. Uh, some of the spirituals came out of that time, and I think one of the ones was, nobody knows the trouble that I've seen. Go tell it on the mountain. And even swing low, sweet chariot, coming forward to carry me home. And there were people who... In the midst of suffering and, uh, you know, how terrible humans can be to one another, began to find hope in spiritual songs. But a lot of those songs were about escaping the uh, plight that they were going through by ending up in heaven. And Job says, why did I not die 11 at birth? Come forth from my mother's womb or come forth from the womb and expire why wasn't I stillborn? Why didn't I just come out dead? Now, any of you who have gone through something like this know how terrible 
that is. And we could say, this is terrible. Why would Job ever say something like this? But let's remember that Job is on a journey. And it is easy to watch somebody else's pain from the stands. Amen? You see a player get hurt in a ball game and you go, ooh, ow. And some people like to watch those replays of the broken bones. Uh, you know, hey, look at this. Look at, could you see a leg ever bend that way? <laughs> I won't mention any names, but there's certain people that like to show those that I know. And I don't like to look at those. I, no, thank you. Uh, I don't want to see that. Right? Well, Job is a man. He's not a piece of wood. He's not a block of stone. He has emotion. He says, why did the knees... See, see the why questions begin to frame here? Why did the knees receive me? Why the breast that I should suck? Okay, when I was born, why did I get life-sustaining milk from my mother? Why did that happen? Now, all of us would say that's so extreme, so ridiculous, but this is where Job is. Okay, if the womb didn't shut me off, then, then I wish I wouldn't have gotten any milk, so then I would have died. Man, this guy is at a low place. He longs to be in the place of the dead. For now I would have lain down and been quiet, 13. I would have slept then. I would have been at rest. With kings and with counselors of the earth who rebuilt ruins for themselves. Now he's picturing the grave. Sometimes pictured as sleep in the Bible. Remember, we're not going to get our theology about the afterlife from Job, but he says, I, then I would have rested it had I died with kings and with counselors of the earth who built, rebuilt ruins for themselves. Ruins is a word fresh on the lips of Job. His life is a rubble. In fact, he may be thinking underneath the surface here, could my life ever be rebuilt again? And some of you who have come out of trials are at that point where now you're at the fork in the road and you're asking questions about can my life be rebuilt again? But you're saying in your soul, that's going to be some hard work, right? Because to rebuild ruins is not easy work. There's a whole cleanup job, and then you got to reconstruct, right? And it can be hard. And some of you may be at a rebuilding point in your life. And if you are, hang in there, because God is in the rebuilding business Thank you. The rubble sits. It's in the distance. Job may have been staring at the rubble of his estate for weeks. Or with the princes who had gold, who were filling their houses with silver, 16, or like a miscarriage, which is discarded. He's, he's going through the list of people who would be in like a cemetery. Then I would not be. As infants that never saw light. There the wicked, there in the grave, they cease from raging. They stop their stuff. There in the grave or a shield, the weary are at rest. You get to rest from all the pain of this life. The ancients used to do this. They would say that we, we shouldn't necessarily celebrate births of people because when, you, when a baby's born, we can see all the trouble that's ahead of them. Rather, we should celebrate death because that's when you're free. You remember the Columbine shootings? Was it Dylan Klebold and I can't remember the other guy's name? 
There's video, and they send a video to their parents the morning that they go into Columbine and shoot all those people. And they tell, they say in the video to their parents, get this, mom and dad, we're about to do this dastardly deed, but we're going to a better place. They knew they were going to die. Really? Have you ever heard some of your friends, uh, you're at a service where you're, you have a pretty good idea that the person that is being honored that day was not a Christian? And people are saying, oh, they're looking down on us right now. I remember some years ago, I was listening to uh, some sports radio, and they're having a discussion about Harry Carey. Harry Carey was the Cubs announcer for many years. I don't know Harry's spiritual state, but they were interviewing his son, and Harry had just passed away, and he was known to abuse alcohol is one of the stories that I heard about him. But anyway, so they're interviewing the son, and, and you know, they're on, on sports talk radio, so a secular station. They're like, oh, old Harry, he's looking down on us right now. Cubs win. Cubs win. Take me out to the, you know, we're all, we all have those memories of Harry Carey, right? However, the son said something shocking. He said, maybe my dad's looking up at us right now. <laughs> You're like, whoa, whoa. His own child said that. And it put, it took the air out of the balloon, but the reality is that not everybody's going to heaven. Only those who have placed their trust in Jesus. And so the scene in Sheol or the grave widens. The prisoners are at ease together. Well, that would be true if you were in prison unjustly. They do not hear the voice of their taskmaster. Think of Israel and Egypt being whipped or anybody who's been in slavery. The small and the great are there. The slave and the free from his, uh, the slave is free from his master. That's true. So in some sense, if you've trusted in the, the God of the Bible, then you are free. But the issue is one of trust. See, Job is romanticizing the grave because there are people who believe that when you die, all your pain stops. But I have to tell you, if you're not a Christian, that's not true. Luke 16 gives us uh, an insight into a, a rich man who feasted sumptuously every day. He dies and he ends up in torment. I know it's not popular, and it's probably not pleasant to hear. But that's the biblical reality. An Italian Jew named Primo Levi recounts a dream full of horror which has not, not ceased to visit me, he says. It's a dream within a dream in which he begins in peace, perhaps sitting at a table with his family or friends or in the green countryside, and yet he feels a deep and subtle anguish the definite sensation of an impending threat. And then everything collapses and disintegrates around me, he says. The scenery, the walls, the people, while the anguish becomes more intense and more precise. Now everything has changed to chaos. I am alone in the center of a gray and turbid nothing. And now I know what this thing means. And I also know that I have always known it. I am the, in the lager or the concentration camp. Once more, and nothing is true outside of the logger. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
Pastor Michael Lance has invited you to celebrate Easter at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Early risers can come to the first service at 6 a.m. Just bring a chair and a blanket, maybe a carafe of coffee or whatever you need, and we'll be celebrating the Lord early in the morning as the sun comes up. You're also invited to worship with us at the 10 a.m. service live streamed on the Living Truth YouTube channel. Now, if you haven't been to church in like a year, and remember the shutdowns really came into effect around Easter time last year, it was strange not to be together with the church last Easter. That's not going to happen this year. We're going to be with the saints of God, man. And if you haven't been to church for a while, what a great time to come back. Visit Living Truth Christian Fellowship on Easter Sunday at 6 a.m. or 10 a.m. But if you live outside Southern California or can't attend service, you're still invited to worship with us at 10 a.m. Live streamed on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship YouTube channel. Visit walkintruth.com and click on YouTube or download the free Living Truth app. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And so the scene in Sheol or the grave widens. The prisoners are at ease together. Well, that would be true if you were in prison unjustly. They do not hear the voice of their taskmaster. Think of Israel and Egypt being whipped or anybody who's been in slavery. The small and the great are there. The slave and the free from his, uh, the slave is free from his master. That's true. So in some sense, if you've trusted in the, the God of the Bible, then you are free. But the issue is one of trust. See, Job is romanticizing the grave because there are people who believe that when you die, all your pain stops. But I have to tell you, If you're not a Christian, that's not true. Luke 16 gives us uh, an insight into a a rich man who feasted sumptuously every day. He dies and he ends up in torment. I know it's not popular and it's probably not pleasant to hear. But that's the biblical reality. An Italian Jew named Primo Levi recounts a dream full of horror which has not not ceased to visit me, he says. It's a dream within a dream in which he begins in peace, perhaps sitting at a table with his family or friends or in the green countryside, and yet he feels a deep and subtle anguish, the definite sensation of an impending threat, and then everything collapses and disintegrates around me, he says. The scenery, the walls, the people, while the anguish becomes more intense and more precise. Now everything has changed to chaos. I am alone in the center of a gray and turbid nothing. And now I know what this thing means. And I also know that I have always known it. I am the, in the lager or the concentration camp. Once more and nothing is true outside of the lager. All the rest was a brief pause, a deception of the senses, a dream. My family, nature, and flower, my home. Now this inner dream, this dream of peace is over, and in the outer dream, which continues, a well-known voice resounds, a single word, not imperious, 
but brief and subdued in the dawn command of Auschwitz. A foreign word, feared and expected. Get up. The voice of the slave driver casts a long shadow. The nightmare shadow of that voice never left Primo Levi. Perhaps it echoed in his mind at the time of his death in the 1960s, very possibly of suicide. You see, you can romanticize death, but life is a gift, amen? And eternal life is a gift, but can I just say to you, please know where you're going. Please know where you're going. Eternity is way too long to be wrong about your soul. Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? I was doing a memorial service some years ago. Uh, a person had perished, and that person was part of a big company, and so a lot of the employees were in the church building at the time, or actually at another location. I preached the gospel. I just, I preached that verse of Jesus. What will it profit a man if he forfeits the whole world, or uh, uh, gains the whole world, forfeits his soul? And so I, I saw a man, and he was locking eyes with me. I gave an altar call. Nobody came forward. I'm in the food line, and this man tugs on my shirt and says, can I talk to you? I said, sure you can. He said, everything in me wanted to come down the aisle when you gave that altar call. But I just couldn't do it because I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of my coworkers. He said, I am that man. And I'm concerned about my soul. Would you tell me how to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? I said, most definitely. We walked a few feet away. I led him in the sinner's prayer and he gave his life to Jesus. See, there are people everywhere. On the outside, they're going to fight it. <laughs> they may be in your company. They may be in your family, but they know they need the Lord. And it's times like this that we know. You see, it's times of trial that we really understand how much we need God. And I would submit to you, brothers and sisters, that's why the book of Job's in the Bible. Because so many of you, and you are the few and the brave who have braved now the third chapter of the book of Job. Man, you guys are awesome. But you've done it because you know. You know that this is oftentimes what drives people to Jesus, is trouble and trials. And so Job is going to wind down, and uh, I just have to tell you that there's no light in this chapter. <laughs> so it's just going to get a little tougher. We'll wind down. And I'm going to bring you some hope and light at the end. Why is light given to him who suffers? Maybe Job thinking of himself, 20. And life to the bitter soul. Who long for death, but there is none. Dig for it more than hidden treasures. Who rejoice greatly. They exult when they find the grave. It's almost like someone uh, hooked up to a life... Uh, what do you call the machine that keeps you alive? Uh, what is it? Life support. Thank you. Life support machine who wants it desperately to be unplugged but can't find death. He says, why is light given to a man whose way is hidden and whom God has hedged in? 
Remember earlier, uh, Satan had said, you, you've put a hedge about him. That's why I can't get to him. Now God's hedged him in, but in a different way. It's almost like he's got the razor wire around his life, and he can't get out of the trial. And that's often how trials feel. For my groaning, it could literally be my shrieking comes at the sight of my food and my cries pour out like water. It's like my food is my groaning and my tears are my drink. For what I fear, and remember Job used to make sacrifices for his family just in case they sinned against God. What I fear comes upon me. What I dread befalls me. I heard the stat. You people said it. 90-something percent of what we worry about never happens to us, but I'm in the 8%. <laughs> what I worried about did happen. How many of you are worriers or you know a worrier? Now, worriers, okay, you can confess it. It's good for the soul. Worrying is like being in a rocking chair. You do a lot of moving, but you get absolutely nowhere. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about And then you have Christians that come along and say, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by parents' application with Thanksgiving. And they, they rattle off the Bible verse, and they hand it to you, and they put it in your bologna sandwich when you go to work. And you worry because worry is a very natural human battle. Jesus, when he says, don't worry, don't be afraid, he says it for a reason because we do worry and we are afraid. And Job says, look, man, I, I'm hemmed in, but my, my thought is that it's God, 23, who hedged me in. My groaning, it's my food. My tears are my water. What I feared happened. I made sacrifices for the kids. I did everything I could do. What have I done wrong? I'm not at ease, nor am I quiet. I am not at rest. But turmoil, trouble comes. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you know who said that? David said that in Psalm 22. Do you know who repeated that on the cross? Jesus. My God, my God. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We have the problem of evil, but the power of the gospel. And the God who came to save us knows what it's like to be in trouble. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. In Psalm twenty-two, eleven, he says, Don't be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. And Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Selah. You've been listening to Job's Darkness, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Job Chapter 3. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we'd love to connect with you. It's great to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church in Corona, California, although we recommend you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. And thanks. Now, here's Pastor Michael.
you know, sometimes when somebody is in darkness or depressed and we're doing okay, we're kind of like, hey, what's your problem? Snap out of it, you know. And that sounds like good advice. And sometimes we don't get where someone's coming from until we find ourselves in the pit. And then we're like, oh, I was a bit insensitive. Uh, You know, sometimes when you realize the pain that someone's been going through and you get a little taste of it, it makes you more (laughs) empathetic. And that's such a good thing. And even if you can't find a place of empathy, that doesn't mean that the depths of what somebody's going through isn't very real for them. So what do you do if someone's a Christian and depressed and you're like, man, you shouldn't be depressed. Well, Paul was depressed. Spurgeon was depressed. Job certainly had his moments. Moses did. I mean, come on. So let us be just sensitive and good listeners. And you might ask, well, how do I help someone who's in a dark place? Best thing to do is be a listener, have a listening ear, And then just say, I'm here for you, man, whatever you may need. And that can be a light of hope to someone. Just knowing that you're there can be and often is enough. So glad you're listening. God bless you. We'll see you right here tomorrow. One more reminder that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported program. Thanks to listeners and church partners like you, we're now on three more radio stations. So praise God for that. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Job 5 called Finding Help in Times of Trouble. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.